Last week, we began a new sermon series entitled, Our Journey with Jesus. And I chose that title first off because our Christian life is a journey. It's a process as we try to get from one point in our lives to another. As we try to go from where we are right now to where we want to be in our relationship with God. But it's our journey because it's a journey that we're taking together. We don't travel alone. As the old African proverb says, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And so we travel together. And as we go, we encourage one another. We challenge one another. And when it comes to showing love, we practice on each other. And it's our journey with Jesus because our goal is not just to travel. It's not just to change. Our goal is to grow to be more and more like Jesus so that we become a group of people who talk like Jesus, who live like Jesus, who love like Jesus. And as I said last week, we're going to do that by looking at some spiritual disciplines, uh, things that we can do, sometimes very ordinary things, but things that we can do consistently to, to bring about that change in our lives. And so this morning, I want us to take a look at the first of these spiritual disciplines. And, and I spent a lot of time struggling with exactly what to call this one. In his book, Pilgrim Heart, which, as I stated, is a book that helped inspire me to preach this series, Daryl Tippins calls this the discipline of emptying. And that's certainly a biblical term. It's used of Jesus in Philippians chapter 2, where Paul said to have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so Paul says there that Jesus emptied himself. And certainly it's true that we also need to empty ourselves. Uh, there was a sense in which Jesus required his apostles to literally empty themselves of everything. When they went out proclaiming the gospel, Jesus told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic, he said. Basically, the apostles emptied their lives of everything except the absolute essentials. And Jesus himself seemed to do the same thing because it appears that he didn't own anything during his earthly ministry. You know, since the very beginning of Christianity, uh, Christianity followers of Jesus have, have tried to figure out exactly what that means for us. Uh, some have taken Jesus' instruction here quite literally, even to the point of taking vows of poverty. Uh, there are other Christians uh, who advocate a, a minimalist lifestyle, which is basically living with only the absolute essentials and, and nothing more. But even if we go to that extreme, uh, we do understand that Jesus gave, or even if we don't go to that extreme, we do understand that Jesus gave a lot of warnings about possessions, about, against the accumulation of wealth for its own sake, or, or trust in material things. Uh, 
And so our journey with Jesus does require us to empty ourselves of anything that might inhibit our travel with him. I, I love this quote from Soren Kierkegaard. Uh, Kierkegaard said, everything which God is to use, he first reduces to nothing. And I think, I think that's, that's part of what's meant by the phrase emptying ourselves. But in the end, I decided not to focus on that phrase. I thought about using the phrase denying ourselves, which again is a very biblical phrase. I mean, Jesus himself said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The word deny literally means to completely disown someone. It's the same word that's used to describe Peter's denial of Jesus. Three times Peter was confronted with his relationship with Jesus, and each time Peter denied knowing him. He absolutely disowned the master. And, and that's the kind of denial a Christian is to make in regard to himself. We are to utterly disown ourselves as the master of our lives. Denying ourselves means that we renounce our right to ourselves, the right to rule our own lives. You know, we sometimes sing the, the song, All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give, I surrender all. And that's what it means to deny ourselves. It means that we, we fully surrender ourselves to God. But in the end, I decided not to focus on the phrase, denying ourselves. And I thought about using the phrase giving up, which again is a very biblical phrase because there are a lot of things that we need to give up in order to follow Jesus. In fact, we need to be willing to give up everything for Christ. But generally speaking, the, the idea of giving up has a, a negative connotation. Uh, giving up is what you do when you, when you don't want to finish what you started. Uh, giving up is what you do when you're totally exasperated. Uh, giving up is what you do when you lose. And so I decided instead to use the phrase letting go. If we're going to journey with Jesus, if we're going to learn how to live like Jesus, there are some things that we're going to have to let go of. It's what someone has referred to as a spirituality of subtraction. And I don't think I need to tell you that we live in a consumer society where adding is the norm. And so we feel the need constantly to be adding. Uh, we need to add one or more new computers, you know, one for the home and, and one for the office and one for when we travel. And then we've got to add another cell phone or add another room to the house or add another TV for the bedroom. And the result is that we have a lot of stuff. And so we have to buy bigger houses to hold all of our stuff. You know, I'm sure this won't come as a, as a big surprise to you, but new homes today have three times the closet space of a typical 1950s home because we have to have somewhere to keep all of our stuff. In fact, many Americans own so much stuff that they actually have to pay somebody else to keep it for them. I mean, self-storage units in this country bring in over $27 billion a year just so we can keep the stuff that we don't really need. 
And it's not just our possessions. When it, you know, when it comes to our time, we seem to keep adding as well. More work projects, more committee meetings, more travel, more activities for the kids. And we keep moving faster and faster. And all of this adding may not stop until our body begins to break down or our relationships begin to suffer or our stress levels go through the roof. Barbara Brown Taylor has written, some of us have made an idol of exhaustion. The only time we know we have done enough is when we are running on empty, she writes, and when the ones we love the most are the ones we see the least. And so we keep adding more and more to our lives until we eventually reach the point where we feel like our lives are completely out of control. And the irony is that even when we begin to feel that way, we sometimes think that the solution to our problem is to add something else to our lives. Uh, Meister Eckhart once said, God is not found in the soul by adding anything, but by subtracting. And so, you know, we need to learn to say no to this tendency to keep piling on, to keep adding to our lives. In fact, we need to learn to subtract. Uh, we need to learn to let go, which may mean that we need to get rid of some stuff, or it may mean that we need to, to cut back and do less. But before we can make any progress in our spiritual lives, we've got to learn to let go of anything that stands in the way of us developing our relationship with God. You know, many people in many religious groups celebrate Lent each year during the 40 days preceding Easter. And, and Lent is, in part anyhow, a time to give up something for a few days. I always thought that if I were ever called upon to celebrate Lent that I would agree to give up spinach or squash. <laughs> but there's something to be said for giving up something in our lives, you know. Uh, what can I subtract from my life so I can move closer to God? Uh, if I subtract an hour a day from watching TV, would that make a difference in my relationship with God? Or what if I subtract uh, eating so much food? Well, I certainly need to do that. Uh, what if I give up gossip or anger or pride? Uh, what is it that if subtracted from my life will draw me closer to God? You know, letting go is an important principle in the spiritual life. Uh, we tend to want to add more, but God is much more interested in subtracting, uh, subtraction. Uh, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, leave your nets, leave your business, come follow me. Leave your father and your mother and come follow me. Jesus said, deny yourself, let go of this excessive attention to your own wants and your own needs, and then come and follow me. And it wasn't what, just what Jesus taught either. It was what he lived out as well. Uh, when Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness, he faced the temptation of addition. You may recall Satan wanted to add a fame to his life, fortune, reputation to Jesus. Satan tempted him with more power and more control. But Jesus knew that the core of life was not adding power not adding control or money, but rather staying centered on God.
And so to follow Jesus means that we need to let go of some things. Uh, those first disciples had to drop what they were doing, even drop their material possessions to follow Jesus. And they lived out what Jesus taught when he said, don't worry about what you're going to eat or about what you're going to drink or about what you're going to wear. Because if you spend your time worrying about that stuff, if you can spend all your time worrying about stuff like that, you'll gain the world, he said, but you'll lose your soul. But it's not just about saving our souls. It's about providing us a higher level of joy in this life. Joshua Becker has a Joshua Becker has, has written this. He said, I used to view Jesus' teachings on money and possessions and generosity and not stockpiling treasures on earth as a sacrifice I was called to make. But I began to realize that Jesus was just offering us a better formula for living. In other words, letting go of stuff isn't just so that we can go to heaven. It's so that we can have a better life here on earth. And that means going against the dominant culture. You know, while culture around us cries out for more and more, we need to be moving toward less and less. Uh, when we stop and when we think about it, most of us would, I think, have to admit that we need to eat less. We need to spend less. We need to work less. And by focusing on less, we can make more room in our lives for God. The spirit of letting go is at the very heart of Christianity. But you know, it goes against our natural tendency. It's counterculture because we all have a tendency to hoard. And some of us are worse than others. But we all have things that we, we want to hold on to. For example, I don't regard myself as a big hoarder, but I do sometimes find it difficult to get rid of things, even things I know that I'm unlikely to need or, or to use anytime in the near future. I especially have a tendency to hold on to computer-related stuff, technology stuff. I mean, I've got pieces from the last 10 computers that I've owned, which means that most of the, of the stuff that I have is absolutely useless. But whenever I start to get rid of it, there's just this nagging feeling of, boy, what if I need that someday? And so this week, I decided to let go of some of that stuff, and I threw out a whole bunch of stuff that had, that had accumulated in my drawers and in my cabinets. Recently, someone who was getting ready to move mentioned to me that one of the positive things about moving and, and I've got to say, there, there aren't a whole lot of positive things about moving, but one of the positive things about moving is that it gives you the opportunity to, to kind of sort through your stuff and to get rid of stuff that you don't really need. There are other times in our lives we may be forced to let go of something, uh, to unclutter or declutter our lives and, and learn how to live on less. Uh, maybe it's because the, eco the economy forces us to, to take on that kind of a lifestyle. Or maybe, excuse me, or maybe our health requires it. Uh, maybe we get disenchanted with keeping up with the Joneses. But what if we intentionally set about to get rid of stuff and declutter our lives for the simple reason that we want to have a better relationship with God? 
What about that? You know, someone may say, well, I just don't see the spiritual value in doing that. So what if I have a closet filled with useless stuff? That doesn't affect my spirituality, but I think it does. Uh, let me suggest a couple of reasons why. Uh, first of all, letting go of stuff forces me to ask myself the question, what do I really need? Because while we like to stay, you know, while we like to say, especially while we're at church, all I need is God, the truth is we have an awful lot of stuff that we think we need. And going through it forces us to make a decision about what we truly need in life. But there's a second reason why I think this process of letting go is, is so important. Uh, I, I love this quote from uh, St. Augustine. He said, God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. I love that. Uh, I think that's what Jesus meant when Jesus said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. God has so much to offer us. But if we're already full, you know, full of ourselves or full of the things of this world or full of activities, then we have no room to receive what God has to offer. In fact, we may be so satisfied with what we have that we don't even feel the need for anything else. That sense of being full to the point of excess, uh, that's as dangerous to the spiritual life as obesity is to the body. And in contrast, emptiness or hunger can be a good thing if it awakens us to what, we, what it is that we lack and if it prompts us to try and find what we really need. So perhaps we do well to ask ourselves the question, is my life so full, so full of stuff, so full of activities that I don't feel the need for anything that God has to offer? Because before we can make any progress in our spiritual lives, we've got to identify what it is that's keeping us from getting to where God wants us to be. But identifying the problem is only half of the solution. The other half is that we have to actually let go. And that can be very difficult. I think there are several reasons why we are hesitant uh, to let go. Uh, part of it, I think, has to do with security. You know, the more we have and the fuller our lives are, the more we feel secure because our sense of security comes from what we have. And so the more we let go of, the greater our need to put our trust in God. But I think there's a second reason. Uh, as we undertake this process of letting go, uh, of emptying our lives, something profound begins to happen. Because once the clutter of our lives is cleared away, we reach a place where it's just us and God. Uh, when you clear out all the clutter, what you're left with is emptiness. Uh, there's a saying that nature abhors a vacuum. And what that means is that any space in this world that has nothing in it will by nature suck in everything around it so that it's not empty anymore. 
And I think that's also accurate. I think it's also accurate to say that, that we as humans abhor a vacuum. I think from a very early age, we're conditioned to dislike emptiness and to dislike silence. Uh, we're taught that it's better to fill your life with things, to always keep busy, to always keep the television on or the radio on, just to have some background noise. And so more and more, our attention today is constantly being drawn to something or another. With the internet and, and smartphones, we're constantly plugged in and, and always on the search for something to read or something to watch or some new stimulus for our minds. And as a result, it's just this constant struggle to keep people off their phones during meals or while on vacation or even during a Sunday service. We've lost touch with the ability to, to just be still and to be silent to the extent that some of us are afraid of silence and we see it as something strange and uncomfortable. But you know, it's in those moments when we strip away everything else that we have the ability to fully appreciate the presence of God. And once we embark on this process of, of emptying ourselves, of letting go, then this communion with God becomes a way that we get filled up again. It's like a reservoir. If you want to build a lake, you first got to create an empty space. You dig, in, you dig out all of the dirt and you get rid of it. And once you've done that, then you fill up that space with water from a stream or from a river. And we've got to do the same in our spiritual lives, I think. We've got to, to clear away all of the clutter and create a space so that we can then fill that space up with living water. And it's when we begin to fill ourselves up with the presence of God that we begin to manifest the likeness of Christ in our lives. Um, you know, God expressed this principle, I think, when he said to us in, in Psalm 46, he said, be still and know that I am God. And the Hebrew word for be still there uh, is the Hebrew word rapha, which is, which is this rich uh, Hebrew word that means much, much more than just to be quiet or, or to don't move. It also means to let go, to be faint, to be weak. For example, in Ezekiel 7, verse 17, God said of his enemies, their hands will hang limp. That Hebrew word rapha doesn't just describe hands that are sitting still, but hands that are weak. And so when God says, be still and know that I'm God, you could just as easily translate that to be weak and know that I am God which is some strange counsel indeed if we're considering it from the, from the viewpoint of a do-it-yourself philosophy of life. But when it comes to spiritual growth, our human efforts sometimes get in the way. Because, you know, we tend to think of, of spiritual growth as mostly, a matter, as mostly a matter of addition, adding more and more to our lives. And so we talk about the need to study more and to pray more and to help people more and to do more things and attend more services. And don't get me wrong, there, you know, there are things that we do need to do, including those. 
But the problem is that if we try to add more and more to our lives when our lives are already full, we're only going to get frustrated and eventually we'll give up. Because you can't add something to something that is already full. And so the first step of spiritual growth is, is to be letting go of those things that we don't need. Letting go so that there is room in our lives for God. And there's an important point in spiritual growth that I, I think we often uh, overlook. And it's this, that, that transformation is not accomplished by our own strength and our own efforts. Being formed in the image of Christ is not our doing. Rather, it's what God does in us. And so growing spiritually is not so much about doing the right things as it is about clearing the things out so that God is free to work within us. Uh, let me show you why I say that. Uh, you know, when New Testament writers uh, describe the process of becoming like Jesus, they do so using passive verbs. In other words, the process is done to us. It's not something that we do ourselves. And so in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 29, Paul says that we are conformed to the likeness of God's Son. And notice he doesn't say we conform ourselves, rather we are conformed by God. God is the one who does the conforming. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, Paul says that we all reflect the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from uh, the, the Lord who is the Spirit. And so Paul says that we don't transform ourselves. Rather, we are transformed by God. Our job is to just let go of everything in life that stands in the way of God doing what He wants to do with us. Uh, it's like this. Uh, suppose you get a call from a furniture company and they say, you know, we'd like to come over and, and do a home makeover. Uh, we'd like to replace everything in your house with something new. New sofa, uh, new beds, new appliances. Your job is simply to get rid of all of your old stuff so that when we show up, we've got room to put the new stuff in. But suppose, though, that you don't bother to get rid of any of your stuff, any of that old stuff. Oh, I can't do that, you say. I may need this stuff someday. And so the furniture company shows up and they, they see that your rooms are already filled with junk and so they turn around and they head home. They're willing to give you a complete home makeover, but you've got to be willing to let go of that old stuff. And I think it's the same way with God. God is willing to give our lives a total makeover. He provides all the new stuff, but sometimes we're not willing to let go of the old stuff. And again, as Augustine said, God is always trying to give good things to us, but our hands are too full to receive them. We need to learn to let go. And if we'll only hit the pause button in our lives long enough to see how things are, we will realize that we've become attached to some things that just aren't very helpful to us. And they're not helpful to others either. 
And if we plan to grow spiritually, we need to let go of some stuff. Christianity is a religion of paradoxes. The first shall be last. The least shall be the greatest. The poor will be rich. The weak will be strong. And you could just add to that list, I think, the more you're willing to let go of, the more that you'll have. I remember hearing a story about Robert uh, Leigh Turnau, who was a Christian businessman in the early 1900s who made a conscious decision to put God first in his life. In fact, he and his wife decided that they would take all of the profits from his business and they would give 90% to the Lord and keep only 10% for themselves. But the more they gave away, the richer they became. And when he was asked to explain how this happened, Le Turnau said, I shovel money out, but God shovels it back. And God has a bigger shovel. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting this morning that you need to give 90% of your income to the Lord. Although I'm certainly not opposed to that if, if you want to. But what I am suggesting is that for each one of us, our lives are filled with so much stuff. Our homes are full. Our time schedules are full. Our lives are full. And so I wonder, what is it that you need to let go of? Because God is ready and God is willing to transform your life into the image of Jesus Christ. But he can't do that until you have cleared out the things, cleared things out of your life, and made room for him. So what is it for you? The first step is to identify what it is that you need to let go of. And the second step is to actually let go of it.